Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, American. Happy Thursday. We've got a great show coming up for you here today at John Solomon Reports. At the top of the hour, we're going to bring in Congressman Andrew Clyde. He is one of the new appropriators in the House Republican majority, and he has been the architect of how Republicans are going to use the power of the purse to force Joe Biden to shrink government, enforce the immigration laws at the border, and root out corruption in weaponization in our law enforcement agencies. He has been building a really comprehensive plan that has the confidence of people like Speaker Kevin McCarthy and so many others. Definitely going to learn a lot from him today on the approach where they go. And I know a lot of people are frustrated that because in December, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell cut a deal with the Democrats to force $1.7 trillion of spending down Americans' throats, which basically took the 2023 fiscal budget off the table for House Republicans to do anything with. Republicans can only really get started this spring and summer and force change in time for the fall budget that takes effect on October 1st. One of the big moments in that debate that we'll talk to Congressman Clyde about is the debt ceiling, which will probably take place in May and June, just before the government runs out of money. This man has, he's on the right committee. He's the architect of a lot of the how to use the power of the purse to make policy changes. And you're going to really enjoy that. Then in the second part of the show, we're going to have a fresh interview with FBI whistleblower Steve Friend. As you know, we introduced him to you about two, three, four weeks ago. He's the agent who blew the whistle on significant civil liberty violations that he said he witnessed while working on the January 6th committee. This included trying to pad numbers, trying to use tactical SWAT teams to arrest people on minor misdemeanor charges and opening investigations on people without a proper predicate. The reason we're talking to him is that yesterday, the House Judiciary Committee did its first interview with him, and he provided a tremendous amount of new information. I think today you're going to hear something interesting that we didn't cover in our first interview with Agent Friend, and that is that he believes 
that all the ideological initiatives that the Justice Department is imposing on the FBI are causing a quota system for the FBI agents to go out and find crimes to hit quota numbers rather than to simply investigate crimes that actually occurred. It may explain why they were ramping up all of the domestic terrorism investigations, trying to get as many associated with January 6th. He says it's going on in other places, and he has an incredible anecdote, a really powerful anecdote where he was going to open a criminal case on someone. and He was told to wait two months until the new fiscal year came because the statistic wouldn't count towards the new quota and they already had met their quota for the current year. They delayed a criminal prosecution, a criminal arrest in order to manipulate their numbers for these quota systems. That is a powerful story and one that I think you'll enjoy to hear. Now, before we get to those really great guests, and I'm really excited about them, I want to run a couple headlines by you because I think they're really important. The first is in the State of the Union address last week and ever Everywhere he's gone since, Joe Biden has been patting himself on the back saying, I've been reducing the deficit. I got the deficit down $1.7 trillion in two years. That's the biggest drop in history. Well, that's because it was ramped up to the largest number in history. But his efforts to portray himself as a debt slayer, a deficit cutter, took a major blow of credibility last night. Why? The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office revealed that the path that Joe Biden has put this country on with all of its spending, all of its outlays, all of its commitments, will balloon the deficit to to nearly $2 trillion a year average over the next decade, basically taking us over $50 trillion in debt before we get to 2033. Joe Biden's entire ruse of deficit cutter just got the whistle blown on it by the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office. That is a pretty big important. We had a great story on that from my good colleague, Ben Whedon. Go check that out on the website at justthenews.com or obviously in your app, the Just the News app from Apple that you can download from the Apple and Android smartphone stores. All right. One other thing that I want to turn to before we head out for a break and then to our incredible interviews. And we do have some great interviews today. There's been a lot, tremendous amount of debate in this country about environmentalism and climate change and caring about people. Democrats say they're the party of good environment. They're the party that really cares for people. And on the flip side, Republicans say, listen, no, we're the party of environment. We had one of the greatest conservation laws ever passed under President Trump. Ronald Reagan solved the ozone hole caused by chemicals. I was eating a hole into the ozone layer. And of course, Teddy Roosevelt, another Republican, gave us the national park system. So both have been debating. But there is no debate about one thing. And that is that the extraordinary train crash that occurred in East Palestine, Ohio, which has put an enormously painful burden on this small community on the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. Well, it has left an enormous trail of destruction of toxic chemicals, dead foxes, dead fish, people not knowing whether they can drink their water or go back to their homes or use bottled water. And all throughout it, the Biden administration has really not lifted a significant finger to show compassion or concern to address or answer questions. In fact, a week into the crisis, The transportation secretary, the same guy that got criticized for not doing enough on airline delays over the holiday season and even into last summer, Pete Buttigieg, right, openly gay cabinet member. Well, he said on Monday when the 
residents of East Palestine were demanding answers. Can we go back? Was it safe to drink our water? What are these reports of dead fish and dead animals? Should we be concerned? You know where Pete Buttigieg was? He was hundreds of miles away giving a speech on safety. Now, not the safety of rail cars, not the safety of the drinking water or the air in East Palestine that had been affected by this horrific Norfolk Southern crash. He was talking about the safety that woke activists want to achieve by ensuring that there's racial parity in construction contracts for major public transportation projects. That's right. He's talking about wiring contracts to make sure that there's an equal proportion for whites and blacks and Hispanics and Asians. I mean, that's not a bad cause, but it certainly doesn't seem to be as important as the pressing crisis in Palestine. And as you heard yesterday with Congressman Bill Johnson on this show, There's enormous frustration that Buttigieg is not up to the job. He's dropped the ball on every transportation crisis come his way, starting with the airlines. And he's been AWOL through most of the response in East Palestine. And the frustration is growing not only beyond Republicans who always want to attack a Democratic administration or a Democratic rising star like Pete Buttigieg used to be before he became transportation secretary. It's also coming from Democratic and liberal quarters. And let me give you a couple examples. The Democratic governor of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania was only a few miles from the border, says he was kept in the dark. His administration wasn't consulted. They didn't know about the control burn. Uh, There were all these unilateral decisions. And he said, while the regulation of the railroad industry is largely the purview of our federal partners, guess what? We're going to start taking direct action here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We're going to start to take control of the state because the feds haven't done a good enough job. Now, you heard what Congressman Bill Johnson, a Republican, said, saying that Joe Biden has surrounded himself with people that are even less with faculties than he has. That's a fun jibe, political jibe, jab, I guess you could say. But the environmental hypocrisy here is not lost on environmentalists that used to applaud Joe Biden and the Biden administration for its climate policies. Aaron Brockovich, who was one of the most famous activists and one of the most greatest toxic incidents in American history. She tweeted out yesterday that the response in East Palestine by the federal government is why people don't trust government. You cannot tell people that there have been and continues to be hazardous pollutants contaminating the environment while at the same time saying all is well. She called out the Biden administration for its hypocrisy. This incident, I predict, is going to be a significant setback for Joe Biden and the Green Movement. All of the verbiage, all of the promises, all of the bluster, all of the wrap yourself in green, 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 has been exposed to be hypocritical, at least as it comes to the poor people in East Palestine. So many things. It took a week for the feds to even know it was on the train. They didn't do the proper consulting about the controlled burn. They still don't know why the rail car was on fire for 20 miles, an axle burning on fire, and none of the sensors, none of the security equipment caught what was going on. And oh, by the way, the railway that's involved in this tragic crash, Norfolk Southern, guess who owns a big piece of it? The major investment firm BlackRock reportedly owns 6%. BlackRock is the leader of the ESG movement in the investment world. That's the environmental social governance plan that's trying to get climate change into all corporate strategies and fossil fuels out of America. Well, maybe it should just manage its own portfolio and ensure that the companies that already is invested in do a better job protecting the environment and people. That's a question that's coming up a lot in the last 24 hours. So tomorrow morning, Nick Jeeves and I are going to have a big story on the set. It's going to put all this together for you. I want to give you a little early part of it because I think East Palestine is going to be 
uh, extraordinary moment that shakes some of the environmental movement away from President Biden. Maybe he gets to reconsider. Maybe it was more rhetoric than reality. Certainly in the case of this, there's been a delayed, bumbling, failed response that not only has angered the residents of East Palestine, but environmentalists, Democratic governors, Republican governors. It is another example, like the Afghanistan withdrawal that was bungled, the China supply balloon, the inflation, the baby formula shortage. This administration, time and time again, when it's supposed to rise to the occasion of a crisis, seems to falter under the weight of that crisis. And I think that is a pretty significant revelation to consider. All right, we're going to take that quick commercial break. When we come back, Congressman Andrew Clyde, followed by the FBI whistleblower, Steve Friend, back to back right after this. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We have spent a lot of time in the last year at Just the News beginning to expose a massive ecosystem that's been built by private liberal groups and the United States government under the leadership of Joe Biden to censor your opinions, to regulate speech, to do the things that our founding fathers never, ever intended the U.S. government get involved in. Well, our next guest is on the front lines of this 
very big in epic fighting. Really, he's going to shape the future of America as we know it. And he has co-sponsored a piece of legislation called the Elon Act that is the first major piece of legislation trying to rein in big tech companies and their collusion with the federal government affecting our speech. He is Congressman Andrew Clyde from the great state of Georgia, and he joins us right now. Congressman, good afternoon. Great to be with you. Well, good afternoon, John. Great to be with you, too. Thanks for uh, the invitation. I am so excited. You and Congresswoman Boebert have put together the Elon Act. I love the, the acronym. I thought pretty fun. But a real opportunity to start auditing the federal dollars that's going to big tech. What's it really for? What's its implications on liberty? Tell us why this is so important in the early reaction to the legislation. Well, you know, John, who would ever have thought that the FBI would be paying big tech companies uh, you know, for their, quote, advice or their counsel uh, to the tune of millions upon millions of dollars. Just the FBI alone paid Twitter $3.4 million between October 2019 and February 2021. And what they're doing is what the government cannot do directly, and that is they are doing government by proxy. They're, they're censorship by proxy, I should say. And... Um, and this is 100% a violation of the Constitution. You just can't do this sort of thing. You know, the Supreme Court has been very, very clear in its pedigree over the, over, over the last uh, 200 years in that you cannot do, um, uh, you, you, you cannot do, um, <clears throat> or what, what you can't do directly, you may not also do indirectly. That's the whole thing. And they're doing it indirectly. Uh, and the Supreme Court has just put their foot down on that. And here the government is trying to um, to censor your speech and my speech. And they are paying um, social media companies for uh, their information. And um, and the Elon Act puts a, a big uh, one year moratorium on any payments from the FBI to big tech. And it also exposes uh, the collusion between big tech and the Department of Justice. Um, it's a great piece of legislation, and I'm happy that uh, Representative Boebert introduced it with a whole lot of us as co-sponsors. Yeah, it is such an important piece of legislation. A lot of people, both in the House and Senate, are excited about it. And there's even some Democrats now, I think, beginning to wake up and say, listen, this is not the America. If we're going to be liberals, we believe in free speech. I think there's a growing awareness that this is going to become an important solution to a problem that's been incubating maybe in darkness. A lot of us didn't see it until recently with the good work that the congressional committees, the oversight committees and others have done. I want to walk through the evolution on this because we spent a lot of time going through Homeland Security documents, FBI documents, the Louisiana lawsuit, which is such an important instigator of good information. It seems as though it began with some ad hoc conversations between federal agencies asking and outsourcing censorship desire to big tech. Then there is this more formalized creation of the Election Integrity Partnership for private groups, all liberally lined, now carrying out the work for the federal government. And now it seems to be moving into a very scary place, which is long term creating algorithms through artificial intelligence to actually create the censorship in real time with no human intervention so that the government could get the censorship it wants but have no fingerprints on it. How concerned are you that there seems to be a fast track towards AI implementation of this censorship machine? John, that's incredibly nefarious. And I think you laid it out really well um, <clears throat> as to exactly the way that these the three letter agencies in our federal government uh, have been moving to censor the speech of the American citizen. And, you know, that's our First Amendment right. 
We never, ever, ever allow that. That's what makes America so amazing. But when the government can put their foot down on what you and I can say, what you can say on this radio program or what, what you know, you name the conservative outlet that can uh, have their voice silenced through social media, then we truly have moved into the socialist and the communist realm of government. And that is not what America is about. That's why I'm uh, very happy that I'm also on the Appropriations Committee. And I'm also on the subcommittee for uh, um, the Justice Department on um, um, CJS, uh, Commerce, Justice, and Science. And we actually will be able to um, have a deep, deep dive on the Justice Department and see how they're spending their money. Because obviously, you've got almost $3.5 million here going to big tech from the FBI. In my opinion, that's $3.5 million they don't need. They don't need now. They don't need in the future. Yeah, and the FBI could have maybe put it to use on a better crime-fighting solution. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Other than silencing your and my free speech and, and every law-abiding American citizen out there, their free speech, because they don't happen to like the way um, that we want to talk. You know, that our, our ideals are not their ideals. Our policy is not their policy. And so uh, they want to uh, silence us, and it's not going to happen. We are not going to allow that. We're going to expose it. And then all, we're going to make them pay a price for it, too. Um, and that, that, yeah, and that price is going to be their budget. It's the only thing they listen to, John. It's the only thing they listen to. The power of the purse. It's always been the greatest tool that the Constitution gave the House. And we're really seeing folks like you on the Appropriations Committee, others really beginning to shape how that will fix a lot of the problems that we've been forced to endure over the last couple of years. The Holman Rule, I know you've talked about that before on this show. A lot of great tools. Is there a moment where Americans will sort of get a sense of what sort of 2024 budget, what it will look like, and where some of the biggest purse string solutions have been implemented? How is that process playing out in the Appropriations Committee? Well, we've already agreed to a maximum top line number, and, and that is the fiscal year 22 budget. All right. And honestly, uh, in order to maintain our defense, and that top line number in discretionary funds includes defense. But we're not going to be cutting defense. You know, we're going to be looking at making it more efficient, but we're not going to be cutting defense. Uh, so therefore, in order to maintain a, a fiscal year um, 2023 top or 2022, rather top line number uh, and maintain defense, then we're going to have to be looking at more like a fiscal year 2019 or maybe 2018 number or maybe less for the non-defense discretionary, and that is the Department of Justice, falls right in line with that. Uh, and um, I'm excited to be involved in that. In fact, uh, this past week, I've been going through the, the latest um, uh, report that came out in 2023 for fiscal year 2023, and going through that to see where we can begin. And uh, it's exciting, honestly. And it is very epic to see the United States Congress already have an agreement that we're not going to go up in spending next year. That hasn't happened in a very, very long time. So knowing that that's already occurred, that'll be the first major reversal we've seen in the reckless spending decades. How important is it that Democrats begin to realize we have to operate in a budget. They have always said, ah, the deficit doesn't matter, debt doesn't matter, we'll get there someday. But it seems as though this moment now, they're going to be faced with the reality that there is no give on this. You're going to have to live on a 2022 spending diet. That's right. And uh, um, John, we have to be fiscally responsible. 
we as a nation cannot continue down this path of deficits, deficit, deficit, and more deficit spending. When our, our debt continues to grow, we've got a budget fight here coming up in just a little bit. Uh, but the whole focus of this has got to be um, being responsible with the money, the taxpayers' money, not our money, the taxpayers' money. You and I have to live on a budget, a budget that balances or a budget that, that we spend less than we earn. And our government as a nation has to do that, too. So we've got to get to that point. And we will get to that point under a Republican majority. Very exciting moment in American history. And I think a lot of people are cheering this on. They're going to be excited. One of the big promises why I think so many Americans decided to put Republicans back in control of the House. And we're seeing it now unfold before our eyes. Important stuff. I want to turn to one more part of the cancel culture censorship machine, the direct censorship of opinions and speech is well documented now. There's a growing recognition that federal agencies have been involved with liberal groups to also thwart advertising dollars and support dollars to conservative organizations. So basically censoring through their power of the purse, going to advertisers, scaring them away. There's some pretty big revelations you see now, AT&T kicking off Newsmax. This is an area that I think we're just beginning to understand. There was a whole ecosystem operating. Will Congress delve into that attack on ad dollars in cable access that maybe conservatives are also undergoing right now? Oh, John, we have to. We absolutely have to. I mean, you have this entity out there, the Global Disinformation Index, you know, which is a British organization with two affiliated U.S. nonprofit groups that are feeding blacklisted information um, of ad companies with the intent to defund or shut down these websites for potentially for, for peddling potential disinformation. Um, this group received uh, over three hundred thousand dollars from two State Department entities. And yeah, yeah, more here we have more three letter agencies giving our hard earned taxpayer dollars to liberal nonprofit groups to do what the government can't really do in and of itself. Um, here we are. They are they are doing indirectly uh, what they are prohibited from doing directly. Again, a violation of our constitutional rights and the Supreme Court has said that time and time again. I mean, they even identified the 10 riskiest news outlets uh, for disinformation. You know, ones that are like Newsmax, American Spectator, The Federalist, uh, you know, One America News, uh, and New the New York Post, The Blaze, The Daily Wire. And I'm sure Real America Voice is just like probably number 11 or 12. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, they're scratching at all of us. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy what's going on. Early on, we were able to get some data from the 2020 elections censorship machines. And Just the News was individually identified on there as a target. And I'm starting to think now, as we think through this, beyond the constitutional issues, when you start going after somebody's livelihood or the possibility of their commerce, you may also be getting involved in the interference of free trade in America, another right that we've always so enjoyed. It seems like there are multiple places for fighting this cancel culture through the wallet that haven't been explored before. But free commerce seems to be at stake here if you're trying to scare away someone's ad dollars or, or sponsorship dollars. Yeah, that's really, really serious because here you're talking about people's livelihoods and people's livelihoods, what they've worked for all their life. And, uh, you know, that's really, really super serious business here. And um, when when you start messing with that, not just our liberties, but our lives uh, and, and how we make our living, 
Um, that is absolutely unacceptable. You know, all forms of government by proxy censorship are completely unacceptable. This is another phenomenal example of it. This is something else that has to be shut down. You know, the state, we're going to look at the State Department, too, and the Appropriations Committee and what they're giving. I have seen, I have seen troves of information so far uh, in the, the money that they're giving. I mean, you name it, uh, you know, drag queen shows in this country and in that country. And uh, I mean, it's, it's unconscionable that the taxpayers' hard-earned dollars goes to fund this. And then on top of it, we borrow money to do it. Um, with an with seemingly an endless line of credit, uh, but uh, but this is something that appropriations we're going to tackle, um, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna make sure that this kind of money doesn't go out again, and because they won't have this kind of money, they won't have it. It's the it's the only thing they listen to is when you cut their budget, and the Article One authority of Congress uh, is the power to do that, the power of the purse. And I'm excited to be on the uh, appropriations committee that has that final say in what they get and what they don't get. Um, so, again, you know, that was part of the speaker fight in, in putting conservatives on these committees to, um, to help the legislation at the very front end when it is created to be more what the American conservatives uh, who are fiscally responsible need in order to vote for a piece of legislation. You're starting to see a much more clearer distinction between the two parties. The uniparty concept is fading really fast because now there's a real imprint of what House Republicans and what conservatives and what fiscally responsible Americans stand for. So different from what we've endured over the last two decades. I want to turn to another subject because you are an extraordinary champion of the Second Amendment. And there are so many things going on, particularly at the ATF, that are small little derision, small little chinks out of the freedoms that we've always enjoyed under the Bill of Rights and the Second Amendment particularly. Tell us a few of the things that you're working on and keeping an eye on that, that concern you. Well, uh, number one on that list is the ATF pistol brace rule. You know, on uh, January the 13th, they came out, signed this rule uh, that basically made any pistol with a brace uh, and it, it reclassified it as a short-barreled rifle and, and it, that would mean it would be an unregistered short-barreled rifle. So they gave people from the date of the publication in the Federal Register, which was January the 31st, they gave uh, folks 120 days to register their unregistered short barrel rifles or, or um, support braced pistols, really is what they are. They're not, they're, they're not um, short barrel rifles. But the ATF is, is uh, laying down that new regulation. In fact, what they're really doing is they're creating new law. They're redefining a definition and in um, and they have exceeded their authority to do that. Congress makes laws. The ATF does not make laws. They enforce the law. They're, they're the executive branch. They're not the legislative branch. And so um, we are going to attack that in three different ways. Uh, the first is a, a piece of legislation that I introduced, which was called the SHORT Act. And um, that is basically uh, eliminates the entire uh, short barrel rifle and short barrel shotgun from the National Firearms Act. It would take, NF it would take ATF out of the um, uh, of the, it would remove their ability to um, have authority over short barrel rifles and short barrel shotguns. They would simply be reclassified as just regular firearms with no need for any specific registration at all. So that would be the short act. It's been introduced already. Uh, Senator Roger Marshall and Senator John Kennedy are introducing or have introduced rather 
on the Senate side, the, the very uh, same act. So we're both from the House and the Senate going after it. And then the second element is called a um, Congressional Review Act Joint Resolution of Disapproval. And um, I'm waiting to, to introduce that because we have to wait until uh, this rule is actually noticed to Congress and, and Congress recognizes receipt of it. I believe that will happen either this week or early next week. Uh, but we have 142 Republican co-sponsors on this uh, Congressional Review Act resolution of disapproval because Congress can strike down. They have the authority to strike down every rule that the executive branch creates. And we do it through the CRA, through the Congressional Review Act. And once we get that into, into the House, uh, once it's filed and it's voted on, I believe it will go rather quickly because with 142 co-sponsors, that's you know well over half of the Republican conference. Um, and then the Senate, I think, will follow suit very quickly after that. And we could take this rule down through both houses of Congress, um, eliminating or, or voting down the rule. And then it would have to go to the president's desk. And then the third way we fight it here is why I'm on the Appropriations Committee. It's called um, uh, a limitation amendment. Basically, in the 2024 budget, uh, we put a line item in there that says no money can be used to implement uh, this particular rule. And when we do that, then the rule is null and void. It ceases to exist because if you can't spend any money on enforcing it or even, you know, dealing with it at all in any way, shape or form, any way, shape or form, then it eliminates the rule. And uh, that would have to be done in every appropriation going forward. But um, I think that that will, that will give us time for the legal aspect of, um, of this to, to play through the courts. I'm very, very confident the courts will eventually strike it down, as they did the bump stock rule that ATF created in 2017, but it took six years to do it. So this would happen much more quickly. And so that's why I'm leading the fight on, on these uh, three initiatives right here. Yeah, they're so important. And we got to keep people up to speed on all of the quick developments. This administration moves quickly. The Biden administration is moving on so many fronts. And so many of those moves really affect the core liberties that we've come to assume we're always going to have in America. And it's really amazing to watch you on Second Amendment issues. You're staying right toe to toe with them and you're moving as quickly as they are, which is such an important way to prevent derisions of our great freedoms. Congress, I want to ask about one last thing. It seems like every day the story about this China spy balloon and the other incursions in our airspace has changed. We've gone literally about 180 degrees from what the Biden administration originally told us to where we are now. Now we know we were tracking the spy balloon long before it came into our atmosphere. And then we still let it go all the way across the country, waited till it finished its work before we shot it down. The changing story, the lack of transparency, how concerning is that for you? And what can the power of the purse maybe do to force intelligence agencies in the Biden White House to be more forthcoming and more honest in the future? Well, I'll tell you, you're, you're exactly right that this is very concerning for us in Congress, and it should be concerning for every solitary American across the country. Because here we have one of our arch enemies, China, uh, sending a surveillance balloon literally across our entire nation. And the excuse of the Biden administration was that, um, oh, we can't shoot it down over the country because, you know, it might fall somewhere and hurt somebody. Well, we knew, we knew days and days before it even entered the continental United States that it was a threat when it entered on the 28th of January and then re-entered 
on the 31st of January. We could have shot it down, I mean, before it even, the moment that that balloon went two feet into American airspace in Alaska, it should have been shot down. Uh, we had been tracking it. You know we'd been tracking it, just like we're tracking all these other, uh, quote, quote, unidentified flying objects um, that uh, have been shot down over the last number of days. Uh, this is, this is, I believe, more a test balloon than it is anything else. Uh, this once this balloon is um, has been sent our way to see how we respond to it, and, uh, and do we respond with strength or do we we respond with weakness? And I think you've seen the Biden administration has responded constantly with weakness on this particular um, subject, and then they're soft on China. They're just soft on China, and they can't be because they have proven time and time again they have stolen our intellectual property. They have used it against us. Uh, they have um, done everything they possibly can to beat us in trade, and uh, and they're sending you know tons of fentanyl across through Mexico into the United States, killing tens of thousands of Americans every solitary day. China is our enemy, and we have to deal with them with an iron fist. And, um, and the Biden administration just isn't doing it, but but we will expose it, and um, and we will force their hand that way. There's a moment at the beginning of the 2020 campaign where Joe Biden looked into the camera and said, China is not our competition. They are not a threat. They are not evil. And he spent most of the campaign suggesting that Republicans from Donald Trump to members of Congress were xenophobic for even suggesting it. That debate has flipped so quickly. But I think the spy balloon, more than any other moment, might have been the crystallizing moment for everyday Americans. They've been bombarded with all this information. Joe Biden says this, Republicans say that. But this felt like a Sputnik moment for the American public. How important is it for now that Republicans have significant attention to the American public to educate them on all the things that we've learned the Chinese are doing, whether it's TikTok and Huawei to the South China Sea and Taiwan to spy balloons and intellectual property theft? It seems like the students in America are paying attention, a great opportunity to inform them, right? Oh, it is. It is. But I think that you're seeing why Biden is weak on China and why he said those things during the presidential debate is because he's compromised. He's compromised on China. Uh, you can see that with the Hunter Biden laptop and all of the information that has come out of that. And we know that that, that is a that that laptop is um, is truth and not fiction. And the oversight and the judiciary committees are going to um, continue to investigate that and expose that. And I think that um, that will continue to show that um, uh, that Hunter and Joe Biden are are inexplicably linked to China and the influence there. And that's really bad for the country, John. I mean, you have a president here that is making, in my uh, belief, is making decisions based on um, on ties to a a foreign enemy. And, and he's our commander in chief. He's the president of the United States. And, and that should put every American citizen um, on alert that, um, that our president is compromised. We have got to find out the extent that he's compromised. And we will do that through these committees through re now that the Republicans are in charge. And, um, and uh, we will save our country uh, in that regard, in my opinion. Yes.
such an important moment in our history and such an important debate. Congressman, it is such an honor to have you on the show. We always get great answers. We always get the cutting edge of where the solutions in our country are headed. And it's just an honor. We want to, I can't wait to get you back on real soon. Thank you, John. Always good to be with you. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, the FBI whistleblower Steve Friend here with some brand new news, including a quota system that the FBI is using to run up numbers on woke ideological priorities of the Justice Department. You're going to want to hear that right after this commercial message. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hey folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800 200 G-O-L-D, gold. That's 800-200-GOLD. And find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. gold Or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. All right, folks, welcome back to the commercial break. As I mentioned at the top of the show, yesterday was a big day in the government accountability space. The FBI whistleblower, Steve Friend, spent several hours with the House Judiciary Committee going over the misconduct and the civil liberties abuses he witnessed inside the FBI as an agent uh, working on the January 6th investigation. As we also mentioned, he, because the FBI has refused to pay him for many months now, left his family without any income, uh, he has now... Retired from the FBI, left the FBI, and going to work in the private sector. And he's going to bring us up to speed on all of that right now. We're very lucky to have retired agent Steve Friend on the show today. Steve, great to have you back on. Thank you very much for having me, John. It's an amazing thing that the FBI has to lose one of its 
great agents because of the retaliatory nature. They, you, you just wanted to make the FBI better. You, you come forward and they squeeze you, don't give you any income for months, even though there's not a single official misconduct allegation against you. Why'd you make the choice? Well, I think you, you kind of summed up my situation pretty clearly. Uh, yesterday, uh, I tendered my my official resignation from the FBI. It had been 150 days of unpaid suspension. Um, you're correct. There had been no actual uh, disciplinary measures taken against me. The FBI had weaponized the security clearance revocation process in order to essentially try to uh, wait me out financially. Um, you know, I, I was in a position where I'd, I'd uh, had some personal savings and was able to survive. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I'm married, father of two small children. I, I have to, you know, support my family. And uh, I had an opportunity come uh, come my way from the Center of, for Renewing America. They offered me a, a fellowship. I, I uh, submitted the necessary paperwork to the FBI to seek outside employment, and they, they turned me down on that. So I thought that uh, you know I just had to take that opportunity and uh, and uh, you know continue my my efforts to reform the FBI from the outside. Yeah, that's a great opportunity you now have, which is you can help the Congress and others really get to the bottom of what's been going on there and fix it. Now, as part of the process yesterday, the House Judiciary Committee spent some time interviewing you. We know your story well because you were gracious enough to share it with us earlier. But tell us the top line things that you sort of discussed with them and what sort of concerns did they, you think, leave the interview with? Well, it was really a, two two separate tales. Uh, from the Republican side, uh, you know, they, they would, would go at me for about an hour and then the, the Democrats would have an hour to respond. Uh, the Republicans seemed to be focused in on uh, the, uh, the nature of my, my allegations and, and my concerns and my disclosures that I made. Uh, they they asked me you know to go into the details about the the, the January 6th investigations and malfeasance concerning the case management and the indexing processes and as well as the abuses that have gone um, on with uh, bringing subjects into into custody um, as well as some other concerns that I brought forth about the uh, the integrated program management which is essentially the FBI setting metrics for itself setting a quota and then pressuring its workforce to to meet that quota and then you know the the downstream effects that that can have so we really dug into the details there and then on the other side the the democrats kind of did the same thing that the FBI's been doing and and as opposed to uh, examining the uh, the veracity of my claims which would seem to be a logical thing to do to either prove or disprove them and move on they devoted all the resources into personally attacking me and uh, questioning my motives for, for bringing my concerns forward. Wow. What a missed opportunity for them. Because at the end of the day, a better FBI benefits Republicans and Democrats and independents and all Americans alike. And there's so much evidence that the FBI needs some fixing and really is unfortunate. I want to go to the quota thing. We've heard this from a lot of current and former FBI agents, a few of the whistleblowers, so if they decide, if the FBI, as it has over the, very overtly in public, said we're focused on domestic terrorism and then the system is designed to manufacture the evidence to back up that claim, is that was sort of what you were explaining in that in the case management system and the quota system you were seeing? Yes, yes, essentially. Uh, you know, the, the FBI sets metrics for itself uh, at a headquarters level and then at the field office level each year. Um, they, it's a year-long cycle where they essentially assess what's, what's going on through the year and then project outward what they anticipate achieving the next year. Uh, but like any organization, they want to meet those metrics, and there's always going to be pressures to, to work smarter, not harder, to, to juke the stats, if you will. 
and then also with the uh, the political winds, uh, with whichever way they're shifting, uh, and the FBI certainly, you know, uh, is partner to to the administration nowadays uh, politically. Um, it, it's convenient. So if there's pressure to have an intelligence product uh, quota met, then uh, they're going to try to generate that in the in the way that uh, the administration's going to be happy, and they're going to look for you know problematic opinions when it comes to being pro marriage, you know, pro uh, border sovereignty. Uh, and, and pro-family, and, and then all of a sudden you wind up with an intelligence product that is uh, designed to you know, extract back from, from that and, and find a predication for uh, an organization, and it, it looks like radical traditional Catholics, which is what uh, the report that was leaked last yeah. week uh, showed. Yeah, we did a lot on that. The FBI finally recalled that report. As they said they recalled it. It's actually left the intelligence report system yet, but this is fascinating because... Most Americans go in and think, listen, law enforcement waits for a crime, they investigate it, they solve it. They don't go out trying to find that there may be a wave of crime that doesn't exist, but the quota system sort of puts that pressure on agents to imagine, conjure, or develop a wave of crime to meet the statistics. But what happens if it doesn't exist? What if there isn't a domestic terrorism problem right now? That seems to be one of the big questions that your amazing testimony has raised, right? Yes, that's right. And essentially, you know, that's the, the crux of my contention with the January 6th case management practices, where he took one incident and, uh, and opened separate cases for each individual who was alleged to have been involved at the Capitol that day, and then had them open around the country to generate this statistical narrative to make it look like domestic terrorism is on the rise and it's around the nation. Uh, and and that, that's just simply not true. Uh, the numbers just don't bear that out. You actually dig into the facts. And another aspect of this, uh, you know, that I, th- I think is worth noting is even if crimes are uh, righteous and, and worthy of being investigated, uh, the, the quota system incentivizes you to change your tempo of your investigation. I, I had personal experience where I was told to delay indictments of subjects because we'd already met our quota for the year. We wanted those numbers to count to the next fiscal year. So, Agent Friend, would you mind waiting wow. a couple months to indict that subject? My goodness. That's just mind-boggling, the potential for public safety. And, and I've heard this from a lot of agents. And since the last time we had the pleasure of talking, a new whistleblower we got to interview, retired intelligence analyst George Hill. And he told the story of, in Boston, the pressure from Washington Field Office to open up 140 separate domestic terrorism cases on 140 people whose only predicate was they had gotten out of bus to come to Washington around the time of the Trump rally. No evidence they went into the Capitol. No evidence they committed any crimes. No evidence even that they were at the Capitol. He told that story in such great detail. That seems to fit the pressure narrative that you also experienced. They just want, they wanted as many numbers as possible as domestic terrorism. It didn't matter if there was a predicate or not, right? Yes, that's right. And, I'm, and when I brought my concerns initially to my frontline supervisor, the thing that he voiced to me was that my objection at this point was going to be a problem because there was going to be a whole bunch of cases that were going to be coming forward, you know, in the pipeline uh, now, and that the uh, the January 6th investigation was going to expand from individuals that actually entered the Capitol to those who were standing on the lawn on the outside, because the FBI and the DOJ is bound and determined to send a message here and devote all its resources into getting the the greatest total that they can possibly get as far as convictions. The analyst Hill told us that one, as, he, as the Boston field office pushed back, just like you pushed back, because that's what the manual and the, the principles of being an FBI agent required, that there were comments made like, 
don't you want to save democracy or this is about saving democracy, not solving crimes. Is that becoming a philosophy? Is there, is there this sort of political rallying cry among people now rather than the mission of just solving crimes, preventing crimes and stopping terrorists? In my experience, it's certainly within the, the ranks of the, the management and the leadership structure of the FBI. It tends to be a lot more politically uh, left-leaning. Uh, certainly, my former special agent in charge of the Jacksonville Division, uh, special agent Sherry Onks, uh, in my conversation with her, she, she used a certain terminology about January 6th that you know, to me was revealing. I mean, she, she talked about the individuals descending on the Capitol and, and attempting to seize our democracy. And, and just when you hear that sort of language, as opposed to the more surgical terms that you would expect from somebody in a fact-finding right. mission, um, that's just allowing your, your political worldview to leak through, which uh, is you know, one of the biggest mistakes you can make in law enforcement. It's, it's the old dragnet, just the facts. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's always supposed to be about, just the facts, that's the evidence. Everybody gets treated the same. In the Catholic memo that we've written about extensively, that uh, at least been withdrawn by headquarters allegedly, there was a footnote, and in that footnote, the FBI analysts referred to women who were pregnant not as mothers, but as birthing people. It seemed to be another virtue signaling from the leftist ideology or in a liberal ideology, how you're supposed to refer to people. Are there now focuses in, among some of the, the FBI agents to even adopt the woke language of the left rather than just use the, the, the common person language that we've all used for centuries? I, I think so. Um, I think if you just you know look at the, the last June when there was a, a an LGBT I don't even remember the rest of the acronym uh, Pride flag display at the Jackson right. Field Division that was that was proudly put up. Um, there was a, a personnel uh, decision in, in my office where you know we had an intern come in who was a female and the next day was a male and we were all supposed to move along with that and you know just. Uh, being somebody who was walked out the door as a security concern because they alleged that uh, I illegally or improperly accessed an employee handbook, but somebody could change their gender from one day to another, and, and that was okay as far as security concerns mm -hmm. went. I think that's a, a big problem when you're looking at the FBI as being the premier law enforcement intelligence agency in, in the country. Wow. So literally overnight, this intern wanted to change their gender, and there was instructions given to the bureau to, to accommodate that. Is that correct? That's right. Wow. Amazing. Steve, there is a much larger picture now starting to emerge. Two, three dozen whistleblowers for sure. There are others who are just getting information out that maybe aren't you know, seeking official whistleblower status. There seems to be a larger portion. As you listen to the Republicans ask questions, you answer their questions, they say, where do you think this investigation will ultimately end up? What do you think will be the big picture that Americans will get and try to fix? as a result of all of these brave whistleblowers coming forward? I think if this select committee does a good job of balancing um, the uh, the emotional appeal, which they clearly went for in the in the opening uh, hearing, and they and they had people talking about the good old days and, and, and their hopes for the future, um, but they counterbalance that with, with whistleblowers who have actual firsthand experience, because they can't fall into the trap of trying to follow the January 6th committee template and, and appeal solely right. to emotion. They have the benefit of having facts on their side. People have a limited bandwidth, especially those who are going to be interested in, in these select committee hearings. And you have to present them with firsthand experience on the on the outrages that uh, that have transpired over the last few years. And if you do that, you're going to uh, have a lot of ammunition when it comes to next fall um, and the budget negotiations 
because uh, that's ultimately what, what it has to be. It can't just be a few scalps of uh, you know, middle to upper level management and then we're moving on to the next thing. Uh, there has to be major reforms within the FBI uh, and, and that's going to come down to the budget negotiation process next fall when it comes to the new fiscal year. Yeah, using the power of the purse to create the fix that the FBI hasn't been willing to impose itself. Steve, it's always an honor to have you on the show. It's an honor to know that there are good men and women in the FBI willing to step forward and try to fix this amazing agency and to blow the whistle on all this politicalization and ideology seeping into what should be a neutral law enforcement agency. But I want to thank you for your courage. Also, thank you for your time today. This is a very important update. I'm sorry to hear that the FBI lost a really good agent, but it sounds like you're going to be doing some pretty important work going forward. Thank you very much, John. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. So grateful you can join. So grateful you could be part of the conversation today. This is a significant and important moment in our history. China spy balloons, Russia, Ukraine war, stubborn inflation, growing budget deficits, enormous hypocrisy and corruption in Washington, enormous gap in the expectation of what Americans thought they're going to get from the government, what they actually are getting. That's why we started Just the News, to get you the facts and let you make up your own mind. And uh, I hope today we helped 
with that. Not only with the stories we mentioned at the top of the show, but with two interviews with two newsmakers right in the know. Andrew Klein, Congressman on House Appropriations, one of the architects of how they're going to how Republicans are going to use the power of the purse to force change in Washington to impose the law that's already on the books on Joe Biden as he flaunts it at the southern border. And uh, of course, the FBI whistleblower Steve Friend, who was just interviewed by House Judiciary. So hope you enjoyed the show. It's a great honor to have a conversation with you every day and to have conversations with smart people like the guests we bring on here. Check out that story tonight on the toxic plume of hypocrisy that hovers over the Biden administration in its bungled response to the East Palestine train crash. A lot of new information will be in that story. Check it out. All right, folks, God bless you. Have a great night and God bless this extraordinary country as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey, folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800 200 G-O-L-D, gold. That's 800-200-GOLD. And find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. gold Or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family.